I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. We won't get Lamar. We won't get Lamar. La, 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 la. It's deadline day, which means it's time for the front free Q&A with me, Adam Ball, with the one and only Lawrence McKenna. Hello, how you doing? I, I love this deadline day because I've actually got some investment in it. Have you now? It's an exciting yeah. one for Liverpool. It is an exciting one. Um, we're also joined by stepping in for uh, Dave O'Brien uh, in the sort of biased United fan role, as it were. Uh, hey. Mr. Stephen Housen. I play that role well, mate, don't I? You do indeed. You are you are perfect for it. How many successful take-homes have you had, Stephen? How many successful take-homes have I had? Yeah. Of Dave, fucking loads always wiping his ass for him. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very different podcast already, as you can tell. Um, <laughs> guys, you've been sending your questions on Twitter. It's Deadline Day Q&A. Very exciting Deadline Day. Uh, first, though, I just want to ask, Lawrence, uh, you said you were excited there at the top of the podcast. How excited are you by the signing of uh, Oxlade-Chamberlain? Liverpool fans seem uh, seem pretty happy with this one. If you if you if if Spurs signed Oxlade-Chamberlain, how would you feel? Um, it's a difficult one. I think he's a player of a lot of potential. Um but it's just, I think it's like the, the the perception of it seems to have changed dramatically just because he's moved clubs. I think uh, Arsenal, he's seen as quite a frustrating player. Uh, whenever you've seen him play, doesn't necessarily um, impress. But yet, all of a sudden, he moves to Liverpool, 40 million. It's like, oh, bloody hell, this, this guy's great. I think it's the Klopp effect, to be honest. I think um, people believe that Klopp is going to do similar things to what he did at Borussia Dortmund when... You know, they sign players that they either believe were underrated or undervalued in some way and then raises the value of them um, or not not necessarily monetarily, but within a team and sort of shows where he would play them. There must be a reason why he's um, bid for them, because I think a lot of people felt that Oxley chamberlains position crosses over with quite a few others in the Liverpool team. And they also must have spoken to him about what they want to do with him. So, um, you know, because he, he was he was clearly offered a pretty decent whack at Arsenal. Um, maybe he was frustrated with the situation in some way. Maybe he felt like he needed a change. And I think this is more the Klopp effect than maybe the Liverpool effect. I think Klopp has shown an uh, ability to improve players, or at least that's the reputation he's, he's garnered at Liverpool so far. Um, would you agree yeah. with that? Housen, do you think Klopp is the man to turn Oxlade Chamberlain into a, a world beater, as Liverpool fans are suddenly expecting, seemingly? I'm not sure on that, to be honest. But I, d- I actually don't really understand the transfer fully. I enjoy that he was on his way to Chelsea, seemingly, and then he's, Chelsea had been rejected, as that seems to be the theme of the summer, doesn't it? And I quite like that. But I'm not sure where it, what problem does he fix in the Liverpool side, apart from adding a bit more depth, which admittedly he did need, so that might be a problem. 
But again, it's you're lacking defence. You're lacking that stability at the back. You're always going to score goals. And I think Chamberlain's the sort of guy that's going to come in and sco- help score goals, if not score goals himself. But that wasn't the issue that I saw at Liverpool last season. It was it was other areas. So it's I can see him being a decent signing in terms of the levelling up of the squad and adding depth to areas that you know perhaps don't have that much depth. And I think he adds that bit of experience. I guess he's played quite a lot of Champions League with us with Arsenal. Uh, maybe he'll be coming handy a little bit there, but it just doesn't make as much sense. If I could understand the excitement if they'd have signed a centre half of this, not even of this level actually, but just signed a centre half, I could see this sort of excitement. I don't really get the excitement so much. Hmm. I mean, I saw in one article they were saying that Liverpool team is the long term replacement for James Milner. I'm not sure if that's centre back or in midfield. Who knows James Milner these days? Um, how much of a black eye though, Houston, do you think it is to Arsenal? Because if reports are to be believed, Oxley Chamberlain turned down, I think, 160 grand a week to move to Liverpool for 100. Well, we also paid them 40 million. We also paid them 40 million and a pound. <laughs> <laughs> was it a pound? Was it the old uh, return of the old cheeky Suarez bit? Uh, that would be interesting if they did that. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think part a huge part of it is about his career. It's a World Cup year. He's going to be a hugely motivated player. And I think he's definitely going to get games because Klopp is going to have to rotate that team. And I think Klopp realises within those midfield positions, where Oxlade-Chamberlain can arguably play a few, he's going to need to rotate because that is where Liverpool's defence very often in open play starts. Arsenal's a weird one, though, isn't it? Arsenal, the way they're <laughs> selling people one. at the it moment, it's, 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 the meltdowns are going to be absolutely hilarious come tomorrow, I think, because I do see Sanchez being moved on. Although, I think it is City that he's going to end up in. I'd love him at United, I just don't see it. It's They're, they're selling players that they have got no hope to replace. And with what West Brom are doing, I think you've got to take a hat off to West Brom at the moment. West Brom could very easily overtake Arsenal this season. Wow. Uh, what makes you say that is the fact that they've been linked with uh, Vincent Janssen today. That's the that's the uh, reason that they're going to top Arsenal? Uh, no, I think they've, they've brought in a solid midfield. Krikiak's an absolute belter. Um, I, I think How do you say his name? Just do, is it Kri- I say it. Krikoviak. I, I heard it was Krikoviak yeah, or something. Paul Merson's going to have a, a real job with that uh, one. Um, Paul Merson's called in sick today because of that. <laughs> West Bromwich Albion over Arsenal, you heard it here first. Um, well, they've got no European football to worry about. They've got nothing else to focus on at the moment. You know, they've had a great start to the season. They look solid, don't they? So um, I think with everything that's going on, that Europa League is an absolute quagmire. And I think if there's no motivation at Arsenal, they're losing their best players, the likes of Ozil start phoning it in. What have they got, really, realistically, that's going to drag them out of that? And where's the fight coming from? It doesn't come from Wenger. He's not going to change. He's not going to uh, suddenly become a team that starts becoming gritty and uh, battling wins out. That's not in his nature. They're going to really struggle this year. I have a feeling that this podcast could age really, really well. Um, I also, one thing that is interesting is when players do begin to leave, then the conversation starts of, okay, well, if we're going to get rid of players, who would you get rid of? People are talking about gutting the Arsenal team um, because they believe that, you know, they need to bottom it out in some way anyway. Um, they're talking about getting rid of some of the, the leading, in inverted commas, players well, would like you leave Ozil Sanchez. this stage, though, if that, if that is true, I didn't Yeah, you do well. this in June, don't it's you? You don't do yeah. it on deadline day. 
Yeah, I mean, that's what's unusual about it. But the, the problem is that now people have started to consider it. I think they're, they're seeing what they consider to be massive flaws within the team. You know, Ozil isn't one of the consistent performers. People are looking at it in the stark light that the end of the transfer window, when you're looking back without the hopefulness of signing someone, reveals if you haven't made the signings you want. Uh, listen, we've got so much to get into. We've got so many questions to get through on Twitter. Um, before we do, though, we do have to announce the whole of the week, the list of the week, as always, our favourite iTunes review of the podcast. If you want to review and rate the front three, all you have to do is click the link in the description of this very podcast. Uh, Housen, I'm going to give you the honour of picking the winner this week. Um, okay. The winner will get a six-pack of Ferrero Rocher. It's a very... Uh, it's a very high honour, I think it's fair to say. Decadent, mate. Absolutely very decadent. Very decadent. Uh, right, you've got three to choose from. First off, friend of the show, long-time listener, Carlos Zaldifar has written in saying, TF3 is easily one of the best, if not the best, football podcasts out there, from the original Front Free trio that started it all the way back on Football Daily to the star signing, number 10, Chris Tenage, all the way to the new wonder kid, Nico Morales. Everyone on the pod is amazing and adds something unique. Uh, I cannot find anything negative about this podcast. TF3 is truly more than a podcast. Meskayun podcast was the title of his review there. Uh, Carlos Adafar. Wow. Good. Wow. He says he, he's not writing Carlos. this review for the Ferrero Rocher. Uh, he just says, if I'm lucky to be picked, there's no need to send a prize. A smiley face. So magnanimous. I like that. Um, Kirenda Wuhu fan, Doctor Who fan maybe, from the UK said, uh, Wunderbar, five stars. One of the highlights of my week is listening to this pod. You've got Adam hosting, Dave toasting, Lawrence coasting, Chris ghosting, and occasionally Nico roasting. Expros term pundits. What more could you want? Not bad, not a bad one. Uh, and finally, how am uh, I coasting? How the hell am I coasting? I'm not sure. Maybe he's talking about you know when you're out on the streets, you're like coasting the streets, something like that. Good, okay. More, yeah, I'm not for not for like anything. Not taking it. Yeah. Finally, Justin one six zero nine seven from the USA said, "Podcast of the century," which is high praise. Five stars. Uh, You all might remember me as the one who played five aside with you a few times and never scored a goal. If that doesn't ring a bell, I put Adam on his back once and I dribbled around him. Highlight of my illustrious career. Don't know why I'm just. We all remember that. You now. I'm back in America for the summer. I listen to the podcast every day when I deliver pizzas for Domino's. It's the best way to pass the time. Oh my god! Yeah, this kid was good. You know, (laughs) all of your full knowledge is second to none. And dare I say it better than any of these professionals on Sky or BBC. You can find stats analysis brilliantly, and there's always a wee bit of banter on the side. Your predictions are always spot on. Mm, not sure about that. And you never mm. fail to entertain while also providing quality that can only be found in a few other places. I will forever be a listener until the day Lawrence leaves to pursue a dream podcast of his own called Life Lessons While Aimlessly Wandering Through the Streets of London. Also, me and Dave were talking about a statistics module we both took in university and he said it was really easy. I ended up failing it. So if anyone had their doubts, he truly does live up to the name Statman Dave. Love you all and keep the podcast coming. Uh, great reviews there. We also had a review from THFC X Lee, five stars. Wow. Uh, it's all over from the USA five stars and also to Hallasaw from the USA five stars as well. Uh, so thank you very much for your reviews. But three in contention there, House and four whole of the week. Uh, we had the Mescaim podcast review, uh, the one that was talking about hosting, toasting, coasting. And finally, uh, our good friend Justin, who uh, put me on my backside apparently in five side once. Uh, who's your winner, House and who's getting and, the uh, chocolate? For that reason. The final one has to be the winner, I think. As a fellow pizza delivery alumni as well, when I was at college, uh, uh, I what, what pizza did you deliver? I was perfect pizza, me, mate. Oh, wow. You've been swayed by Which I think is now Papa John's, I think. Is it? But uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. It was part of the same sort of company, I think. Oh, just pizza it was definitely a good pizza back in the day. I remember that. It was a banging pizza, but if you delivered, <laughs> uh, if you got ordered off me and Ben, um, Lauren, um, Adam's centre half from the uh, Fan League Cup. Great partner, player. Great player. Um, 
if you ordered from me and Ben, we ate your topping before it went to your house. So that is dis- that just is know disgraceful. that. That's absolutely <laughs> disgraceful. Unbelievable. I should be, uh, should be admitting that. Um, Justin, you win the Ferrero Rocher, so slide into the DMs or we'll just give them to you next time we see you at five aside. Guys, let's crack on with the questions. So many questions on Twitter for deadline day. Let's get straight into them. First up, we've got Gupreet, uh, obviously a Liverpool fan with a uh, Liverpool badge avatar, says, any must-do signing for your club today? For me, it's Virgil van Dijk, uh, says Gupreet. Would you agree with that, Lawrence? Virgil van Dijk is the one must-have signing uh, on deadline day for Liverpool? I think Virgil van Dijk is probably the, the wishful signing. Um, I think, as we record this, Liverpool are trying to put the transfers through. The international break isn't exactly helping. Um, but they're looking for Lamar from Monaco and they're looking for Van Dyke. I think most people would settle for signing one of the two, um, but I, the ideal is both and um, keeping Coutinho. That is a big one. That is a big one. Um, Manchester- well, of course, mate, Coutinho's gone to South America, spoken to him, I'll name, I'll say, mate, you don't, want, you don't want to go there. What did he actually say? Because I've seen uh, quite a few clickbait headlines saying, you'll never believe what Neymar said, but, you know. I don't bother. Is that, is that the gist of it? Like, pff, My favourite one was um, Neymar met Coutinho. You won't believe what happened next. Sounds um, about right. Sounds about right. Or top 10 things Neymar said to Coutinho. The, In at five. Uh, Do you want a tea? Um, he probably did. So, uh, yeah, basically, I think there, were, there weren't that many conversations had. The coach of Brazil, or a Brazilian coach, said something as well. But ultimately, it's all down to um, translation and misinterpretation of translation. Mm. Um, so, I, I, and again, it doesn't really matter what anyone says. We'll see. If Liverpool sign Lamar, I don't think that would be that many Liverpool fans who would be upset to see Coutinho leave. Uh, Van Dijk and Lamar apparently unlikely, I'm told, just because the uh, Monaco and, and Southampton are refusing to sell. That's, that's the word on the streets, as it were. Which you yeah, there, there's, there's that as well, mate. But I mean, you know. It's early doors, yeah, on deadline day, you know. Nabi Keita right into the night. Recording before Nabi Keita was not to be so. sold, mate. He was not to be sold. Oh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? You, you got your man in a year's time. Uh, it, may, it made my, genuinely, that made my day seeing that. He <laughs> looks like such a happy little dude. Houston, <laughs> uh, uh, Manchester United, unlikely to sign anyone today. But if there was one must-have signing uh, that Mourinho was going to bring in, who would, uh, who would be your pick? My pick would be somebody like a Bale, uh, which is slightly unrealistic, I think, especially at this late in the day. Uh, I I think we've got a weakness in the squad on that left-hand side because uh, there's loads of question marks about where Luke Shaw returns, how he returns, and what level he returns at. If Luke Shaw returns at what his ability is and what his potential is, then we're, we're pretty solid everywhere. Um, I think we're obviously sorted as goalkeeper, although you know every some of that goes past, I still think De Gea is going. So I think that's going to happen at some stage. Um, keeper, we're all right. Defence, I think we're all right. Um, arguably need a little bit of experience. Um, Howard has, has moved. I think he's is he going to Juventus? Yes, he has, yeah. See, that's an unbelievable signing for me. I think he's an absolutely fantastic player. I'd have loved him at United. Um, I think he'd have been a fantastic partner for Bailey. Uh, midfield, I think we're happy days. I think we've got a very good midfield. Up front, obviously, we've got options. We lack natural wingers for me. People who are going to uh, hit the byline, get a cross in. Um, so someone that could do that would be a good pick for us. But I'm not going to sit here demanding that we sign people. I think the squad looks pretty good. Um, I want to just see some decent football. We've started off really well. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we'll evolve as the season goes on, as we always do. You never start and finish the season the same sort of eleven and formation and systems, but certainly under Mourinho. So I'm I'm easy, me mate. I'm, I'm quite relaxed about it. Fair enough. Um, wow. What about you, Botwood? Uh, I think Serge Aurier is going to be confirmed today. I think that's a good signing. Um, Ooh, that is lovely. You're not worried about the mental side of him because he's like I mean, genuinely mental, isn't he? I've only heard select stories uh, about Serge Aurier, um, so I'm not sure how mental, officially mental, he actually is. Uh, on the pitch, I think he's going to be a good replacement for Carl Walker. I think... Uh, you know, Kieran Trippier is solid as he is. I don't think he can feel that Rowie can't offer that attacking threat that Kyle Walker uh, did for us in the last two seasons. Essentially, he became such an important player for us in that aspect. Um, talk that Spurs are ahead of Chelsea in the in the race to sign Fernando Llorente, um, which I think is a great wow. signing. Again, I think if this, Chelsea don't get any of our players this this summer. Yeah, if they got sniffed, if they got flip, beaten, Oxley Chamberlain, Lukaku, and now Llorente, and deadline day. Conte's going to lose his mind. Um, but I think that is a great sign. I think, you know, Champions League experience. He's 32, yes, but I think he's a, he's a good backup option for Harry Kane and a good option off the bench. I think Spurs, uh, we don't have that many options to bring in on the game. Musa Soko coming off the bench and Janssen coming off the bench against Burnley at the weekend just demonstrates that. So if we can bring in Lorente and potentially an attacking midfielder, uh, there's talk of Mares potentially coming in, uh, Damari Gray from Leicester. I think those are more unlikely than Lorente, but... We'll see, we'll see. Um, hopefully, Levy's going to be a busy man today, uh, bring in three or four signings, and I think most Spurs fans would be, would be very happy with that. Um, on that note, we've got a question here from, if I can find it, where is it, where is it, where is it, where is it? Don't worry, I'll cut this out. It's from Lewis, Good. LRC Browning, who said, why do top clubs so often leave their transfer business until the last day when they have plenty of time to do it beforehand? Um, not a bad question, Lewis. I mean, a lot of clubs do go about their business early, like to get it done, uh, you know, get, get a march on other clubs for certain players. But, you know, Tottenham, Daniel Levy, certain other clubs like to leave it late when there's a certain desperation in the air, not just from the clubs looking to buy, but from those looking to sell. You know, I think Ross Barkley could be on the move today. Everton seemingly keen to get rid of him. Earlier in the window, they might have demanded 50-odd million for him. Today, will they accept 30-odd, you know? Do you reckon they would? I think they would, potentially, if, as Koeman What's said... What does 30 million buy you in this window? 30 million's bloody bargain. That's one Moussa Sissoko from last year, which is, what, 40 million, 50 million this year, sort of. I think that makes sense. Um, that makes sense. Well done. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Um... Yeah, that's why it surely hasn't. You leave it late to try and get those deals, to try and force clubs' hands when you know uh, the oncoming window is going to slam shut, as it were. There's there's no reason for any Premier League club to be scratching around for deals at the moment. There's that much money coming in from the TV that they should be looking after the football side of the club first and doing what the manager requires as quick as humanly possible uh, because deadline day moves can work out, have worked out, I think generally a deadline day move, if you lose someone that you've been preparing with in pre-season that you wasn't aware of going, that's a problem. If you bring someone in last minute that perhaps wasn't a first choice, that can also be a problem. I think you've got to try and get your business done as early as possible in a window. And if I was you know, any part of the coaching staff or even one of the owners and was getting messed around by a manager this late in the window or you know the other way around, I'd be devastated. I'd be really annoyed. Um, I've seen a lot of people calling for the transfer window to start at the beginning 
um, prior to the start of the season uh, and listing numerous reasons for that. But when I was growing up, the transfer window was like the last week in March or something like that, or third week in March. Uh, and there was moaning about your know, players can play against opposition clubs like happened with Oxley Chamberlain at weekend and, and not putting a performance. Well, that's down to the individual players' professionalism, isn't it? I preferred it when it was all in March. But even then, in, when it was in March in the 90s, people still left it to the last bleeding day. Yeah, exactly, oh, what are we going to yeah. do, we do for the last six weeks? <laughs> it's madness isn't it people's planning just seems to be garbage I, I'm quite relaxed as a United fan today but uh, I'm obviously going to be tuned into deadline day for the entire day because there's going to be a lot of stuff happening for other clubs who isn't mate who isn't I mean would you would you be a little bit threatened by Liverpool if they got Lamar no again it's another position that I think you're already strong in uh, we had a discussion at weekend didn't we where you said there's there's a requirement now because of the type of player that he's using with Salah and Mane. They're both similar players that you thought might have been a replacement for each other, but actually he's playing them together. Uh, so now you need another backup. But you, you're strong in that area. I think I can see I can see you wanting like a proper out and out forward, maybe. Uh, but defence for me, you've got to start at the defence. That's what let you down in the title running under Suarez. Uh, that was. That, uh, I think, has let you down in recent years. I think you've got to have a solid defence, someone experienced, someone good. Admittedly, there's not that many really top players out there, but didn't Howard yeah. just go for £10 million to Juventus? The amount of yeah. money that you've just thrown on Oxlade-Chamberlain, for £10 million, you could have had an absolute belt in German centre-half with loads of experience. I think there's also... I mean, you probably would have had to pay more than £10 million with the UK premium on it, but you're still getting him for a decent yeah. price. If you go in there with a £20 million bid or whatever, Slap you're still going to get ten on there at least. Um, yeah. Double it and you're good. All right. Ollie, I mean, 20 million is still great for a decent sense yeah, Not bad. Um, Ollie Shep 97 says, Who is the next player to pull a Peter Odom wingy on deadline day? Um, great question. Uh, famously, I believe Peter Odom wingy just turned up at the QPR training ground uh, on deadline day a few years back. Was it 2012, I believe? Uh, just yeah, it was of, very awkward, wasn't it? Just sort of drove in <laughs> expecting that that was potentially going to force a move through to QPR. Didn't exactly happen. Just had to There's some away. nuts on that, though, isn't there, to do that? To just oh, be yeah. like rocking up like, hey, how you doing? Well, apparently Riyad Mahrez today was supposed to, he was at Paris Airport, was supposed to get on a plane for international duty um, with Algeria and just decided, actually, no, I'm just going to stick around in the airport in case something happens. So, You're joking. Course, it's like a is, really shit Tom Hanks film. Yeah. So this is according to the reports I've been flying around. He's just sitting in Paris airport waiting for something to happen. Siri has to fly for a medical, etc. So uh, that could be. Not a train yeah, or could be the road and wingy. You know, <laughs> if a move doesn't come off. Um, another question here about Arsenal from Ben Fleming. If Arsenal do sell Sanchez, does this go down as their worst transfer window in history? Uh, at the time of recording, House and uh, Sanchez... I think likely to move to Manchester City before the window is over. Talk of a £70 million bid after a £50 million bid was rejected on Tuesday, I believe. Talk that Arsenal could try and bring in Draxler as a replacement. If he does Ooh, go, I like that. Will Ben uh, is Ben right in saying it's the worst transfer window in the, in the club's history? I don't have all their histories to date of their transfer windows, but it seems like a really bad one with the circumstances that they find themselves in with, um, with being in Europa losing their undoubtedly best player. It just, there's not a whole lot of positivity coming out of Arsenal at the moment, is there? And even even the bright light of potentially getting someone in like Draxler, do you have faith in Arsenal to pull that off today? I don't. Yeah, not really. 
<laughs> I don't. I really don't think they would. There was. Um, did you see the meltdown last night? I think uh, it was a BBC journalist who sort of uh, was on Five Live and he was speaking about how, um, you know, uh, he was basically saying Sanchez isn't going to leave because Arsenal don't have the time to get in a replacement. Uh, the fact is they don't have the money to buy a replacement anyway, uh, a sort of a big marquee signing. So therefore, there's likely unlikely to be any business Arsenal on deadline day, which sent Arsenal fans crazy. They mentioned that there's no money. All this talk of the war chest over the years being exposed. Arsenal fans lost their minds last night. Mm, it's um, not like that. Yeah, unusual, but, um, you know, out of character. Uh, so, yeah, apparently there's no They're money very at reasonable people. There's no money at Arsenal anyway, so they, can't, they couldn't even sign Drax or even if they wanted to. Um, here's a great question, moving on from uh, Baxton. Baxton98 says, who is the one player you would have liked to have seen at your club this window but ended up moving to another team? That's a very good question. Um, I'm going to say... Wilfried Zahar. I know he technically didn't move to another team. He signed a new long-term contract with Palace at the start of the window, but he was someone I thought could be a real game-changer off the bench. He's got the speed. He's got the skill. Could be an interesting option for Spurs going forward. It gives us something we lack. So I'm going to say Zahar. I know Statman Dave would probably ridicule me if he was here. Uh, Howson, is there anyone that you would have liked to see Manchester United sign who ended up moving elsewhere? Yeah, how would I, I think so. Oh, wow. Yeah, I think that's a real obvious one for United. Is uh, someone with that sort of experience, old enough that he's not going to block up the, the that position for ten years for the likes of Tuanze coming through. I think is an undoubted world class potential footballer. Uh, so he would have been the one for me. I think it's another coup from Juventus. Whoever's dealing with their transfers needs signing by someone. Yeah, who else? Well, I mean, Juventus have got him. Go on. Well, Juventus have got him. No, I mean, whoever's dealing with the transfers, like the transfer guy at Juventus, the recruitment. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Juventus have got him. Juventus are going to be the ones who keep him, surely. Nah, uh, Arsenal need to nab him. Arsenal need to nab him. Uh, they've signed Douglas Costa, uh, Blaise Matuidi, now Benedict Alvarez. Uh, who else they signed? Chesney? I mean, that one. Look at the business they did a few years ago when they, they snapped up Vidal, Perlo, uh, Pogba, all for like, mm-hmm. I don't know, a packet of skips. It's unbelievable business that they do. I think that was, uh, yeah, that was the uh, correct fee. That was the actual um, deal as well, yeah. A packet uh, of skips. These yeah. are UK skips. <laughs> here's, a, uh, here's another transfer deadline day question from Charles Antianades on Twitter. Would £40 million for Danny Drinkwater be the worst signing in history? Um, no, surely not. I mean, alert. Uh, I think it's that they've, they've lost out on someone in the midfield and they now need someone there. Yeah, I think They don't quite know where to go with it. He's a decent signing. Uh, he's apparently handed in a transfer request to force through a move to Chelsea, who are looking to bring him in. Forty million seems like a lot for Danny Drinkwater, Hassan. But he's a, he's can, a Premier League. Can you League imagine it's the winner. not signing of Danny Drinkwater that tips Conte over the edge? <laughs> yeah, Somewhere. I'm walking. I'm done. Uh, do you think he's? Uh, a, do you think he's a decent? He's a, I mean, forty million in this window. I mean, it's gone crazy. Player, yeah, summer, so. forty million's a new twelve million, isn't it? Mm. It's just what's twelve million? What twelve million is just stand, bog standard Premier League transfer fee a few years ago, wasn't it? For everyone, mm-hmm. how much twelve mil? Um, I'm not going to comment on the fee because the fees don't make any sense to me this season. They're just so beyond the, the realm of reality that whatever, yeah, he's worth it, I'm sure. Um, the the move of Danny Drinkwater is a downgrade on Matic, which is what we got for a similar price by a long stretch. 
seems strange um, to I, sell Matic forty million and then, like you say, downgrade yeah, for the then, same money and then bring in Danny Drinkwater. There's no comparison to be had there. And I thought Chelsea fans were saying that they was happy getting Bakayoko because Bakayoko and Kante was going to do. It. Oh, how were they going to fit Bakayoko, Kante, and Danny Drinkwater into the same team? Bakayoko's um, quality with Fabregas. Though. He is, but Chelsea fans were saying he was enough. So why now are they also getting Drinkwater? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, I don't understand. Uh, for me, you, you obviously you've got Fabregas, you've got Bakayoko, you've got Kante, you potentially got Danny Drinkwater. They've got some excellent young players there as well. I've like, got no chance of getting a game. Like them four are a good four. They're a solid four. But is it better than last season that they had? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, yeah, it's more that they're. It's not Conte is another one of those managers where you feel it's not so much about the. I mean, it can be, it definitely is very much about the personnel thing, but it's not about the sort of perceived quality of them. It's the qualities that he perceives to be important. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Here's a related question from at GB Hat, who says, uh, what's a good deal nowadays? Uh, is it an overpriced hyped up youngster for, uh, for hundreds of millions like Mbappe or a slightly over the hill player for a modest price? Uh, such as Matuidi. I think those are the deals that are attracting attention, the ones that in this market look like a bargain. Like Blaise Matuidi's Juventus, I think, for 18 million. Um, moves like Renato Sanchez on loan to Swansea. I think people are seeing there's that, you know, a sort of shrewd operating in the market where, as is mentioned there, Mbappe is going for, what is it, 160-odd million? I think it is. It got me thinking that a few years ago when everyone went crazy over the Anthony Martial fee, for was it thirty million, thirty-five million? When everyone was yeah. like, "Jesus, that looks that looks very good business now, doesn't it?" Yeah. How much was how much is that Martial in the end? I think he if he wins the Ballon d'Or and we win like every European Cup from now to the end of the millennia, I think they get like sixty million or something. Mugs. <laughs> <laughs> like at the time, I just remember everyone going crazy. It was on all the back pages. Like, what a waste of money! It was a lot of money old. a year ago, two years ago, whenever it, it was. was. A lot of money back then. Yeah, that was before this now TV. Now it's nothing, mate. Once it's okay. This, t- this TV uh, deal has just absolutely just blown the the lid off it. But ju- there's a stage where I mean, even Roy Keane was saying like, what would like the likes of gigs go for? He'd be talking up like a billion and stuff. But there's got to be a stage, and we're probably at that stage now. Where if you're signing the likes of Mbappe for 136 million or Neymar for 200 million, 
uh, and that's you know, very likely to be the same club that's spending that sort of money. Why can't they invest in their own academy to that level? You can go and pinch every top coach in the world and you can have an academy that actually runs at a profit for you, similar to what Monaco were doing. And you think, there's, especially Premier League teams with the prices that we have to pay, there's got to be some benefit now. And if you're signing average players for 40 million, why is there not spend 100 million on your academy and bring through five or six homegrown players that actually play for the shirt properly. It won't happen uh, now, Housen. That's and you, not going to happen and tomorrow. And you're going to get them you're going to get them on, you know, cheaper contracts so you'd probably be saving money on wages and everything as well. Football definitely needs to go back being a bit more organic than it is because it's absolutely ridiculous at the moment. Housen, you're such a mug believing that people want to play for a club for their entire life. Jesus. <laughs> um, here's, here's another question for you, uh, Well, not even that. Bring them through and sell them on at a profit if you have to. Yeah, um, which you could. Here's a question from Declan McMahon for a great sign for you, Housen. Could West Brom push for Europe this season? They've started well with some classic Tony Pulis performances and have made good signings. I mean, you've pretty much said it already. They're going to finish above Arsenal. They're going to be the team taking Arsenal's place in the top six, no? I think they could. I think there's a there's a long way in the season yet. Yeah. And obviously, I think Sanchez needs to go and Arsenal obviously not replace him, which I think is likely. Um, but yeah, I think the quagmire of Europa, especially with the pressure that the Arsenal fans put on the club to do well, because if they, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't in the Europa League, that if you don't yeah, progress, exactly. you're going to get ruined. And if you do progress, it's going to ruin your season because it's just so difficult. And, and I, I really want to know what the, the reasoning behind that switch is, whether it's something in the players' personal lives, whether it's something, the fact that it's on a Sunday there's, there's a noticeable switch that teams that do well in Europa don't do well in their division. And that's across Europe. That's not just English teams. Um, they find it really difficult once you get to the latter stages that you don't really see in the Champions League. Maybe it's because the teams that you see getting to the latter stages of the Champions League are actually genuinely top-class teams that have got mm. squads and stability to be able to manage that. Um, but there is a, a tangible effect of getting through to those latter knockout stages of the Europa League, which has a, a, a negative effect on your league form. If you look at the United's results post-Europa last season, they were awful. And that you can pretty much point to those games being the ones where United threw our league away. Now, Arsenal used to being in the Champions League, used to having a level of expectancy in the Champions League. They're now looking at United's success and Liverpool's recent relative success in Europa League. I think they're going to expect that they're going to get to the final without any effort, which is far from the fact. Um, I honestly think it's... And I think you guys with Spurs as well, I think you're going to struggle with it. I think it, it's, a, it's a gritty competition that you have to go and... There's bad travel. There's awkward kickoff times. It's it's just not conductive to having a really good season in the league. And you've seen with the last couple of winners of the league and with what Liverpool achieved last season, having no European football to concentrate on can be a massive bonus for someone when you're fighting once a week and they're fighting twice a week. Arsenal could really, really fall off uh, this season. Um, and as funny as that would be for the obvious reasons, uh, it would also be sad to see from obviously the great rivalry that we had as United fans with Arsenal through the late 90s and early 2000s was Premier League defining, I think. So it'd be sad to see them completely fall off, but I'm definitely going to enjoy the fall. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I think that's safe to say. Um, here's a related question from uh, J. James Alward, long-time listener. Um, what do you believe it would take for Wenger to end his contract early? Uh, or <laughs> alternatively, Lawrence, for it to get ended 
early. I mean, we were talking about this uh, on Monday with Dave and Chris. Uh, do you think he could possibly get sacked this season? Could the unthinkable happen? Do you think he'd potentially walk away? Or is he as stubborn as we, uh, we all believe he is? Uh, I do think he's stubborn. But then, I mean, if you lose a lot of your very key players at the beginning of the season, what can you do after that? What if he does lose Sanchez? Do you think he just basically says, well, I'm in real trouble now. What can I do? I just think that the general impression I've got from Arsene Wenger over the past few years is the worse it gets, the more determined he is to stay, to desperately try and yeah, fix there is, it. Yeah, there's a little bit weird in that sense, isn't it? You yeah. sort of see this weird... Which doesn't... It's almost like help. A, the opposite of what you need. Yeah, so I just can't see him... I wonder if the board uh, or Gazidis or... Uh, if they'd start thinking, okay, geez, maybe it is time to to let him go now. But I don't think they'll ever do that because of his reputation, because of the, the goodwill he's built up over the years, although it has been somewhat eroded. Um, There's only so much goodwill you can carry. I mean, I can't you know, see the, the goodwill ball, does sort of finish sacked. at some point, doesn't it? Yeah, I just can't see him getting no, I mean, I I can't see him walking away. Maybe the end of the season, again, um, it would be sad to see uh, one of the greatest Premier League managers go out, you know, uh, Probably. Like we said on, on Monday, should have left when he won that FA Cup. Would have been the perfect way to bow out, move upstairs. I really so, thought he was going, man. I really thought he was going. It was a bit the way it was like refusing to talk. I know he doesn't really talk about it much anyway, but the way he was refusing to talk about it, it didn't feel like he was going to be announcing a two-year extension, did he? No. It's just that, the sheer that fact that they couldn't capitalize. Yeah, it was the sheer fact they couldn't capitalize on the. Um, all of the instability at all the other clubs around them has just proven that he he no longer has the ability he once had or he's unwilling to change. Uh, we had Rennie Mullenstein on full-time Devils on Monday, which was an absolute pleasure because he's a, an, a real, real fan favourite at United and a guy yeah. with some serious amount of knowledge at football. And he was talking about the United way and one of the things he pulled up was those counter-attacking uh, United sides from like 09, 011 uh, with Ronaldo and that in the team. And he, he mentioned one of the uh, performances against Arsenal where we destroyed them on a counter-attack. I think it was a Rooney goal. Um, and he said, we'd worked on it in training all week because one thing you know with Arsene Wenger is he's not going to change ever. He's going to play the same way. He's going to play the same system. He goes, and we knew we could soak that up and hit them on the counter with our pace. And that was 10 years ago. And he hasn't changed what I, find, was... what I find quite funny is there's quite a lot of chat at the moment, obviously, about, um, you know, it's, it's very insulting. You know, Arsenal are actually quite a strong team, et cetera, et cetera. The weird thing is that Arsenal fans, they, like, there are still very few of them who are angry with Wenger in a very direct way. There's only a few of them. I mean, people like, you know, the, the Arsenal fan TV lot. But there, there seems to be a lot of confusion around the club. And the club don't seem to really be talking to anyone surrounding them so there's no one there who trusts anyone no, no one the, the fans don't trust Wenger the fans don't trust uh the board they don't trust the players as well because a lot of their players seem to be piecing out so where's the positives for staying at Arsenal here's a question from John Moncrief about Arsenal he says Kroenke has a pretty awful reputation as an owner in the United States curious why he doesn't seem to get as much blame in the UK for Arsenal's woes obviously we hear the board a lot but not him specifically to blame for the lack of change um, he's obviously a very secretive character likes to stay out of the spotlight Kroenke I think that helps him secretive to, uh, Jesus but I think that helps him avoid uh, a lot of the blame although a lot of Arsenal fans are now wouldn't you to... stay out of the bleeding spotlight at Arsenal oh yeah 
Massively, but I'm saying that's why he's avoided uh, a lot of criticism. I think the Arsenal fans now have started to point their ire at him, though, by saying that you know his lack of ambition is is filtering throughout the club that is leading to this sort of well, stagnation. Who runs this? Who, whose decision is it to to give Wenger another couple of year contract? Where's the justification for that? <laughs> Is it Arsene Wenger? Is it literally Arsene Wenger? He just decides what he wants to do. Is he an MP? What's going on here? I think he just runs the whole club, mate. He, he is sort of elected he, in a way, isn't he? Weirdly, he was the man. He was the manager who was deciding whether he should get his own contract or not. It was. Um, it's a strange situation they've got themselves into. Us, and I think, whereas most clubs have sort of modernised almost, and they've got different approaches and different structures. Arsenal, like we're saying, have been this way for for so long, and Arsene Wenger holds so much of the power that yeah, they're almost unique in the way they're they're organised now, which is not necessarily a good thing. In no. the game, it has is now. Um, We'd all love to write our own reviews. I mean, that is bloody lovely, isn't it? Oh, yeah. yeah, I think I've done Five well this stuff. season. Uh, I'm going to say another contract. Brilliant. Like, you know, people are flipping out and protesting against you. Yeah, don't worry about them lot. <laughs> they don't know what they're talking about. Nothing wrong. I mean, that might be true. Um, yeah. Here's a question from Daniel Pegram, uh, who says, what is Sacco's value, Lawrence? Not factory. 40 million. 40 and... Apparently no. they rejected, Liverpool rejected, I believe, a £25 million bid from uh, Crystal Palace. Makes sense. Day. See ya. Cheers. £30 million? Is he worth £30 million? That's what you take for him? Would I take 30 Great question, Adam. Yeah, I'll probably take 30 I mean, To be honest, I think I'll probably take 25 at this point. Yeah. Um, okay. We, You know, the fact is Liverpool probably do need to get rid of him. Uh, it would help them massively to get him cleared off the, um, off the books. Mm. Uh, and Old I think there's... Bill. It, yeah, it just makes a lot of sense to be able to um, to be able to say, well, he's not ours anymore. So let's let's get some good cash. Well, it's clear he's not going to be he's, he's not going to be uh, in Klopp's plans anytime soon. Mm. So why why even try and keep him? It doesn't make any sense. There's no need. Here is a question from Dave Hardy, who says, favorite deadline day move. Um, oh, good question. Falcao to United. Okay, let's go for your club specifically first. Then. You're saying Falcao uh, to United is your favourite. Mate, I had my pants off for days out. with that. Yeah, Despite... well, yeah. Cause at it the time. Was a, it represented Merry at Christmas. the time. At the time, it was amazing. Falcao, mate. You have to whisper that name because it's so good. Not now, his, his time in the Premier League didn't really live up to expectation. He's banging the goals in again now. Um, back, at, uh, back at Monaco. But what... Yeah, that represented something seriously exciting. But was that also was it part was not not the failure, but was the failure of that partly down to um, the fact that it was the wrong manager at the wrong time for that? Do you think under another manager we would have seen maybe a more satisfying outcome? I think you could see he hadn't lost anything, and I got a lot of ridicule because I was saying, "Look at the player! Don't look at the results of what he's getting at the moment." Rooney was getting in his way sometimes. Robin was getting in his way sometimes. They they didn't have a system that suited that lineup that we had, yeah, and we were just shoehorning him in. And you could see the runs he was making. You could see that he was trying stuff. Uh, he looked like a top class player that he just wasn't sparking for, mm-hmm. and he wasn't given the sort of runs that Rooney would get. And this is one of the problems that people had with Rooney at the time as well at United is Rooney would always get played through his poor patches, and if uh, Falcao had 60 minutes and hadn't scored a hat-trick, he'd be off, which was inevitably every week. So he would be off after 60 minutes, he would only get an hour's run out, or he'd come off the bench with five minutes, but he wouldn't get five or six games where he was played in the same system and told, don't worry about it, You know, we we're, we want to see you as a number nine, we're going to play you week in, week out. It's the only one that stands out. I mean, I think Rooney was a deadline signing. Um 
It was. Yeah, I think Rooney was a deadline signing. That was exciting. That was seriously exciting because it was on the back of what he'd done for England in Euro 2004, which was arguably his best uh, England showing, uh, where the whole world saw how good he was and how reliant England was on this 18-year-old. Uh, and we've already having some potential in the team. Um, we had obviously Ronaldo had been here a year. We had Kieran Richardson. Um, it, that was an exciting time at United. All um, the big names. Yeah, all the big names, man. Alan what? Smith. Um, <laughs> what about uh, Liverpool, Lawrence? Is there a favourite deadline day move for you, for your club? Uh, didn't Liverpool sign fairly close to the transfer deadline day? Uh, Andy Carroll and Fernando Torres. Uh, was that not a deadline day actually? That was my that was my favourite overall deadline day, uh, January two thousand eleven, I believe, where Andy Carroll. Did you sign Suarez that same window, and no one was talking about yeah. him? That you signed Suarez like no a, a day before. Or something. You signed Andy Carroll on deadline day for thirty five odd million, which was seemed crazy at the time because Torres was going to Chelsea for fifty on, million the same day. Does it not seem crazy now? Um, I don't know. Thirty million. Has the passage of time made it less? Thirty odd million, mate. I mean, it seemed. 35 million at that time would have been like what 60 odd million 70 yeah million? it was it was a lot of money at that point money. well it was, it was even more stupid money for torres whoever knew at liverpool torres was finished was an absolute genius to get that level of money for him david luis moved to chelsea on that deadline day as well back in 2011 it was yeah uh, i think uh, i mean kenny douglish himself so i think sort of said at the time um you know we're not we're not interested in uh, keeping fernando torres if he doesn't want to be here and then <laughs> there you go swapped him for andy gower and it all worked out well, indeed. Um, I think my favourite deadline day mover is, it's got to be any Spurs fan, it's got to be Raphael van der Vaart for 8 million. I think, was it 2009, 2010? Probably 2010. Um, yeah. To sign him for Real Madrid for 8 million, it's just like, what is happening? What is going on? That was amazing. Yeah, that was, <laughs> that like, genuinely was incredible. Oh my God. Yeah. Daniel Levy was uh, a hero for a long time. I think he's still he's still dining out on that one. You can yeah. always get a player out of Real Madrid, I think. Not the the player out Not of Real nowadays, Madrid, but there's sure. always a player you can get out of Real Madrid because of they have such a high turnover of transfers and the demand that they're signing big names all the time means that yeah. some big names end up like like Rodriguez this season. You know, there's always yeah. a deal to be had with a, with Real Madrid because of the sheer like hoarding that they have the of turnover. star names. Sometimes they wish they that they were they wish that the press coverage would almost say this was almost like a new signing. <laughs> um let's see if we've got any more questions before we finish up. Uh oh here's one. Uh, probably for you hasn't. Uh Justin Fundalaga says do you believe all the hype surrounding Manchester United or do you think the media are just overdoing it. Um, suddenly, title favourites after those first three games. Housen, actually, they've got all it takes. I haven't seen a lot of hype, if I'm being completely honest with you. Not not stupid hype, but I haven't seen any hype, actually. I've seen people reporting on our, our performances, but my own view is that them performances have been good, but there's also been room for improvement in them performances. It took set pieces to score in a lot of those games. We was kept quiet by Swansea for the longest time. Um, it took a long time for us to score against Leicester. There's there's excellent results, superficially, clean sheets and loads of goals, but actually the performances themselves have had flashes of real excellence, but also some problems that we've seen that we saw under fucking Moyes and some problems that we saw under Lou Van Gaal, which is when a team decides that they're just going to sit back. <laughs> is that how he's remembered now? Fucking Moyes. Yeah, not fucking Moyes. Moyes. When a team around. sits back against us, we struggle with the movement. Um, 
uh, and the, the one-touch football in that final third, despite the personnel that we've got, to break a team down. So I'm not sure that I agree that there is a lot of hype at United. Um, I think we look strong, and I think with when you look at the rest of our title um, challenges, we are possibly favourites correctly. We've got a big goal scorer up front who's definitely going to score goals. We've got Zlatan to come back before Christmas. The squad, like I said earlier, looks good. There's, there's some question marks over an out-and-out winger. There's some question marks over that left-back spot. But is that more than every other squad has got in terms of question marks? I don't think so. I think we're in a really good position. I think we've got a manager who knows what he's doing and knows how to win this league. Um, I don't see Arsenal as a threat. Uh, I think unless Spurs pull their socks up, you're going to have a real nightmare of a season at Wembley. We'll see. We'll see. Um, I think City have still got frailties that they didn't address, despite you know, going all out for loads of players in attacking positions. That wasn't their issue last season. They scored loads of goals. That is not their issue at all. If company gets injured, they are woefully bad. With him, they're excellent. Without him, it's, it's so bad it, it, that they it's ridiculous they didn't replace him or have a backup for him. Uh, and then you go through the rest. Of, you go through everybody else that's in the mix. Chelsea, yo, are trying to sign Danny Pissing Drinkwater to uh, to save their season. David and, fucking Moyes, Danny Pissing Drinkwater. Jesus, yeah. it's it feels like this is the best opportunity since Fergie left us that we've got to to get back to the top of the league and stay there. Um, whether we do or not, it's a long season, and you know we always pick up crazy number of injuries. If that's to key personnel, can we cope? I don't know. We have to find out. Playing it down. On Clever. a related note, um, the final question, a great question here from Peter Regan, who says, as it stands now, what club has done the best business this window? Um, let's focus on the Premier League for now. I know we've mentioned Juventus a lot and their business in this window. Um, PSG. Yeah, PSG. I would have said Manchester City, um, myself, Lawrence, uh, House and pointing out there though maybe they haven't strengthened in uh, what are the key positions for them uh, at centre got like nine first choice attacking midfielders but I think you know I think Bernardo Silva is a fantastic signing to, to steal a march on a lot of other clubs bring him in for 40 million uh, I think is going to prove to be a bargain at the end of the season they've strengthened in the fullback areas which were so weak last season uh, if they bring in Alexis Sanchez that attack is is stacked. Yeah, but they scored goals, mate. They scored goals last season. They created more chances than anyone else last season. That's not their issue. Their issue is that they concede goals, and when company's not there, they're like a Sunday league team at the back. He's, in- he's interesting. The impact that company's made just already this season. They look so much more solid with him in the team, as you say. Well, uh, we all know he ain't going to do thirty-eight games. Do you think? Be, does anyone else think it's weird that the literally that one player can make such a difference to that back line? It's terrifying, I mean, isn't it? I mean, it's terrifying for a City fan because Pep Guardiola was supposed to be an incredible coach. And I know people say, well, he's more of an attacking coach. Um, but he, he, there's, there's clearly some problem there that the, without one player in that side, there's a real big difference. Who I think has, that's, that's dangerous. Is there anyone who's done better business? I mean, it's hard to say we're recording. West Brom, brother! We're recording here halfway through deadline day, and we have to say um, Liverpool yeah, signed Salah. Uh, they signed Slanky. They could sign Oxley Chamberlain. They could sign Lamar. You know, they could sign Virgil Van Dijk. Hard to judge. Um, West Brom. They've signed uh, Jay Rodriguez. I think they've signed, haven't they? For was that fifteen odd million from Southampton? Kieran Gibbs, of course, has come in for seven million. Uh, Gareth Barry, I think, joined as well. Um, Kroviak as well on loan. It's, it's, I mean, it is all relative, isn't it? I suppose there is. That's a, a great squad strengthening, isn't it? 
I think they signed that. Yeah. Uh, who's the guy from Leipzig as well? Oliver Burke, the uh, the striker, fifteen mil as well. So uh, yeah, pretty good business for West Brom. I think it's fair to say. Is there any other? If Liverpool get could... a run that they're linked to, I think it'd probably be them. Um, but will they? I, I think they're linked to a lot of smoke. Um, I do think they're going to sign someone today. But yeah, okay. if they got Van, if they got Van Dijk, I think Liverpool have done very good business. Yeah, and not not just on a business sense. You look at what what those signings are going to do to them in a league position. That's what you've got to look at. Is West Brom's going to put them into that next echelon? I think Everton have done good business, to be honest. But I think they, do you think they've been weakened without Lukaku? Well, they've spent Lukaku money, haven't they? So they've they've, they've strengthened. Rooney, they've strengthened right the way throughout the team. Sigurdsson's an excellent signing. If they could find a number nine that scores goals, because Rooney doesn't, or he won't do in this team, I don't think, because of where he's going to be played. If they got a proper out-and-out replacement... For Lukaku, it doesn't even have to be as good as Lukaku. Just someone who's going to get you 18 goals a season. They would have had an excellent window as well. So I think Liverpool, Everton, West Brom, all these teams have took big steps forward. If if Everton can manage to pull someone, if they're trying to sell Ross Barkley, that tells me that they would probably want to spend some money as well. So you know there could be someone else coming in Everton. I think it'd be interesting to see what happens there. Mm. Chelsea. There's a lot of big moves to come. I think. Yeah, I think today is going to be. Uh... A big day. We're going to see some big moves happening. Uh, final question then on that note. It looks like... Apparently Bojan has left on a season-long loan to uh, that's not, to that's, Alavets. That's not the big one, man. Let's be honest. That's not the big one. But Bojan, uh, Bojan was... I think a lot of people are quite excited about Bojan. Stoke signing Hesse. That's a mad move. How have you convinced him to move from Madrid to Stoke? The... Um, the big Apparently, one was... Arsenal have told Sky that they're very happy with their transfer business. Cue <laughs> <laughs> oh, Arsenal meltdown. Cue the meltdown right now. Um, it is. It does look to be heating up now, though. That Arsenal are going to try and sign Drax that as a potential replacement for Sanchez. It all sort of hinges whether they can convince him to join from PSG, which I'm sure is a difficult argument to make at this time. Uh, do you think, though, Harrison, if they do sign Drax, so that's going to satisfy the Arsenal fans? It seems to be paper over the cracks almost. If they bring I think him the in, the only thing that would satisfy Arsenal. Fans Fans, if, if Wenger stepped down and they they brought you know a 1988 version of George Graham back, I don't know. I don't know what would satisfy. That's probably the best they can hope for at this point, though, isn't it, Lawrence? If they do end up selling Sanchez, which I think Dave's just on Monday might not necessarily be such a bad move if he's 28 years old, if he doesn't want to play for the club, if they can get 70 million for him, bring in Julian Draxler, someone they've been linked with for many years now, a very promising young player, could be a, a decent enough deal. I mean, not ideal, but could uh, could at least go some way to, to you know, minimising any sort of blowback? Uh, no, I don't think you're going to minimise. Uh, the meltdown's that's coming. Like, the meltdown is coming. Face. I tried. I'm just thinking, you know, could it, you know, placate the Arsenal fans in some way? But I think that's just wishful thinking, isn't it? Potentially. There's words coming out of your face at the moment that I don't think you're thinking about. <laughs> Can I just also say, so Arsenal, <laughs> fan, TV are, Arsenal fan TV are saying um, that Man City have made a final bid for Alexis Sanchez of seventy-five million. With one season that, left on his contract, yeah. surely that is ridiculous. I don't. Know. I think it's negligent to turn that down. Like you're saying, he's got one year left. He's going to leave for free next season. You're basically saying no and to he's seventy-five million. Like a badass if he would it also? Would it be? Would it be a terrible, terrible transfer window for Juventus if they lost Dybala? Ah, they won't. Is it one hundred sixty million that Barcelona bid? bid? For him. Ah, oh, Barcelona, really? they don't sign anyone. They've, they've, they've had a complete mare, I'd say. They're desperately going around with their Coutinho money because he's, uh, he's turned them down. I think Dybala's not going to leave this season. I think maybe next year, um, 
But Juventus do sell, though. That's the thing. If you go to Juventus with <laughs> the money, today. they, they do sign, sell, and then they sign a new squad today. on the back of it. Not today. That though. beats your squad that you've just signed their big player for. This, it's madness. Anyway, listen, guys, that brings you in the very exciting deadline day Q&A oh, but, Sorry, by the way. Uh, oh, uh, sorry, Housen, did you mention Fellaini as the greatest transfer day, deadline day? <laughs> That's greatest full stop, is it? Let alone because because no. Statman Dave has just tweeted, considering he's too busy to come on the podcast. Greatest <laughs> deadline day signing ever. Those tweets don't and tweet then, themselves. Can I also Lawrence. say that what's really unusual? Yeah, tweets. Yeah, of course, of course, it is a retweet of Manchester United, um, and I don't know if you can schedule those oh, on Manchester United. Yeah, yeah. yeah sure. Um, the, uh, Dave also keeps doing where whenever he does Maron Fellaini, he puts dare dare dare. And what he means is, du, 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 marijuana Fellaini. But it just reads as <laughs> dare, dare, dare. And it, it reads a little bit like when Sideshow Bob was like, no, the bar, the. We did get a question about why he uh, mispronounces uh, the Monaco man. Every name? Yardim. I think it's, it's Jardim. He says Yardim. Um, Tushal is my favourite. I thought it was Thomas Tushal. Dave actually becomes a parody of himself at times. When he said Roy Keane wasn't good enough for a United World a United Eleven, and he wasn't world class, I think you sound bitter about that one, Alison. Bitter? I've had to stop thousands of people trying to knife him. <laughs> well, on that note, I think that's the perfect end to <laughs> the you know, podcast with Steve. He put Darren Fletcher in at all-time United Eleven. Think Mate, about he's that. Got, he's got bold Wait, opinions. So Bobby Charles, was, was Brian singing Robson, there? Roy Keane, was Pardew singing there as well? Darren Fletcher. You Sorry, who put who put? Him in all time. There's Dave no de- did. There's no defend- on full time devils. Go and search United all time eleven. There's no defending that house. You should let them stab him. Should let them stab in him. In our all time eleven. It's a bold move. I'll give. Not him even that. sure he's in an all time eleven of United players called Darren. He's, he's not had a lot of sleep this week. Do you know what I mean, he's he's he's, he's been burning the candle at both ends. Um, <laughs> Alson, all three of them. Alison, it's been that pleasure. As Dave would say, he's been. Burning the condo <laughs> at Bath <laughs> uh, My favourite thing about Dave, actually, just before he finishes, is where he mixes up is the metaphors. Hair? No, when he mixes yeah. up the old metaphors, that's absolutely favourite. When he said, he was trying to say he shot himself in the foot, and he was like, he's really shot yeah. himself in the face there. That was my yeah. favourite. <laughs> absolute favourite. <laughs> amongst the pigeons. The boat yeah, one. Exactly. The boat one as well. Tweet if you remember that one, because that was my all-time favourite. Uh, anyway, Housen, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast in the shoes of <laughs> Sam and Dave. You filled the uh, the bias Manchester United fan aspect. You didn't give us the the crazy metaphors and the mispronunciations, but we appreciate you nonetheless. Thank you so much for coming on. Where can the listeners find more of you? Hit me up on YouTube, Stephen Nelson FC, which stands for Football Channel, not Football Club. Oh, um, I just hit forty k, and I've got some absolutely banging trips coming out soon. I'm going to Bilbao, hopefully to speak to Mr. Herrera's old man, who's wow. the sporting director there. I'm going to Parma shortly to go and interview Hernan Crespo, which I really can't wait for. Wow. Uh, sure Chelsea fans will love that interview. He's the president of Parma, uh, obviously a club legend there. And he's, um, I think there's a really interesting story to be had about how they've gone bankrupt and come back and gone bankrupt again. And yeah. Obviously, everyone who's my sort of age remembers that Parma team of the mid-90s, which Crespo was a big part of. Um, I'm hopefully going to India soon as well to check out Kerala Blasters with 
uh, Rennie Mullenstein and Berbatov's oh, there. And blimey. So I've got loads of football Jet trips on go. So come and check out uh, all of those. There's some on there already. It is quite United heavy, but as I said, I'm trying to do that sort of side of content as well. So if you're, you're interested in some of that grown-up, sensible football chat, then come and join us. Wow, that one football money is really paying off. Go, yeah, brother. Go and check out Stephen Allen's FC. Sounds very exciting indeed. Uh, Lawrence, where can people find you? Have you got anything that exciting coming up? Uh, lots of things that exciting yeah we're doing lots of stuff this season um, I might be starting a YouTube channel sometime oh, soon about Ooh. bloody time mate Jesus Jace Jace is it eh? going to be called Lawrence McKenna FC or Loscast FC it's going to be called uh, London City FC oh now you're talking now you're talking my language uh, guys yeah. you can follow me on Twitter Adam Boltwood uh, for super hot banter and maybe a breakdown if Spurs don't sign anyone you are actually <laughs> quite good at banter oh mate you know I'm the best I'm the best. Um, wow. Really setting yourself <laughs> up too. some banter modest there, as well. Uh, yeah. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we will see you on Monday once again for the weekend review. Until then, have a bloody great week. Oh, no, we won't because it's well, we'll be, we'll be reviewing international football. Does anyone care? No, but we'll still do a regular podcast. Oh, yeah. sure we'll, do a pod- happy, yeah. we'll do a podcast, basically. Um, we'll see you on Monday. Have a bloody great weekend. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.